discover the inherent power of God in you. Whether there are challenges or not, we are still the same. We are constant. God is constant. God does not change. And that is the life that we have received. He says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is the same life we have also received. We are also the same yesterday, today, and forever. What kind of life? We, we, we are the same because we have the same life with Christ. So when you think about God, think about you. Because everything he is, that is why he told Abraham, he said, I am your, your exceeding great reward. God gave himself as a reward to Abraham. And we are the seed of Abraham. Therefore, we have inherited God himself. Listen to Pastor Oti Boateng as Christ is magnified in you. Hallelujah. 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 Bishop, God bless you. And thank you for inviting me to be a blessing for God's people. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah. We thank God for your life and uh, for the obedience of faith, responding to the call. And uh, God has given you a marvelous shepherd. Yeah. Who wonderful shepherd feeding you with knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. Yeah. For Bishop to be your, to be your shepherd is such a great honor. Tell your neighbor you are in the right place. Right place. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right. No time is fast spent, so we'll begin tonight and then we'll continue tomorrow. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Are you ready for God's word? Brother Gideon, God bless you for the hard work. First Corinthians chapter 10. First Corinthians chapter 10. By the time the meeting ends, you will know how to access your inheritance in Christ. Jesus how to fully access your inheritance in Christ. Jesus you know it. It will be very easy for you. Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant that all our fathers were under the, under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And I like us to read verse 11. Now all these things happened unto them for examples. Yeah. King James says, and samples. And they are written. They are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. Praise God. Hallelujah. First Corinthians then gives the, the history of Israel. How that they came out of Egypt. You know, the chronological history of Israel from Egypt. So 1 Corinthians chapter 10 gives us a summary. Now, verse 11 says that all that happened to Israel, all that happened to them, all those things happened to them for examples. It's an old word for examples. And they are written for us, our admonition, upon whom the ends of the world are come. Praise God. Now the word ensamples is, is the Greek word tupos. You know, that's where we get the word type. They are written for our types. All those things are types. Types. You know what a type is? How many of you are married here? 
you know, when you travel for a long time and you miss your wife, no matter what you do, you take your wife's picture. And whilst you're in the hotel room, you are you admire your wife's picture. Sometimes you can even kiss the picture. Those of you who are not married, you have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> this is if this revelation is not given unto you. For those of you who are married unto you, it is given to know the mysteries. <laughs> yeah, so you can kiss the picture, kiss, kiss your wife's picture. But when you come home, you travel and you come home and you see your wife sitting down, your wife is happy to see you. In the presence of your wife, do you still kiss a picture? Oh. Yeah. That's absurd. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, the real substance is there. What? Instead of kissing the real substance, why do you kiss the picture? You, you understand? Yeah. The picture is a type, but your wife is the antitype. Your wife is a substance. The picture is just a shadow, but your wife, he, she is a, the reality, the substance. Praise God. All that happened to Israel were like photo album, pictures. We are now experiencing the reality. So actually, you can take the history of Israel and uh, some of the things they went through. Um, we have our corresponding experience in this present life. Praise God. That's what he's talking about. Yeah. So we read the Old Testament, for instance, Romans 15 verse 4 says that whatsoever things were written at full time were written for our learning that we through the patience and the comfort of the scriptures might have hope. That's how it is. When we read 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 20 and 21, 1 Peter 3, 20 and 21, which sometimes were disobedient when once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, where while the ark was a preparing Wherein few, that is, eight souls were saved by water. Now, this is a story of um, Noah and his family. They were just eight and they were in the ark. And the world was destroyed with water. And they were the only people who were in the ark. Okay. And the Bible says that only eight were saved. Yeah. Wherein few, that is, eight souls were saved by water. All right. The next verse. The like figure went on to even baptism that also now save us. You see, the word like figure is the word antitupon. Where we get the word antitype. So the picture is a type. Your wife is the antitype. You understand? So now, how many of you know the story of Noah's flood? It's, it's Sunday school story, is that not so? How many were in the ark? Eight. And the ark went through water and came out of the water. But the ark was watertight. Not a single water could enter the ark. In fact, it was watertight. So those who were in the ark were actually saved. The Bible says that the ark today is Christ. The ark is actually a symbol or a type of Jesus Christ. If you are in Christ, you are in the ark. Today, Christ is our ark. So those of us who are saved, we are in the ark. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, the ark was watertight. Not a, a single water could enter the ark, although it was going under the water and coming up. If you are in Christ, there's no judgment against you. The waters of judgment cannot touch you because you are in Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The ark was suffering the water. All the water came against the ark, but not those who are inside. Christ bore our judgment, but not those of us who are in Christ. He bore it for us. 
Hallelujah. Yeah. So that's how the Bible is. The Old Testament are shadows and pictures of the new. Do you know that in the ark? Um, you know, when you build a house, the windows are at the sides of the house. You know that. You put the window at the side of the house. But amazingly, with the ark of Noah, the windows were not at the side. The windows were at the roof. Have you ever built a house and you put the window at the roof before? <laughs> no one does that. But in God's wisdom, he said they should put the window at the roof. There were, there were no windows at the side. The window was at the roof. You know why? God does not want his people to be looking around the world to see the judgment that is going around. Coronavirus, this kind of virus. He doesn't want your focus to be in the world. He wants you to look up unto him. From whence cometh your help? <laughs> Hallelujah. Your help comes from above. Yeah, don't, don't look around. Look above. Don't look around. This is what is happening here. This is what happened. No. They looked unto him and they were lightened. And their faces were not ashamed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right. See my inheritance. In Christ. Joshua chapter 11. Verse 23. So Joshua took the whole land. Joshua took the whole land. According to all that the Lord said unto Moses. And Joshua gave it for an inheritance unto Israel, according to their divisions by the tribes, and the land rested from war. So Joshua took the whole land. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Joshua 13, verse 1. Joshua 13, verse 1. Look at what this verse also says. Now Joshua was old and stricken in years, and the Lord said unto him, Thou art old and stricken in years, and there remaineth yet very much land to be possessed. Have you seen this verse? Chapter 11 says that Joshua took the whole land. By 13, God is now telling Joshua, <laughs> you are old, but uh, there remaineth yet very much land to be possessed. It's as though the scripture is contradicting itself, but it's not. So Joshua fought for Israel and conquered the whole land for Israel. It was left for the tribes to just go and take what had been, had been conquered for them. But they were not going. Now, taking the land is different from possessing the land. He had already taken the land and f- destroyed the enemies of God. But the people, the tribes that were allotted, the inheritance were allotted them. They, sh- they had to go and take the land. They were not going. So although the land had been conquered, it was not yet possessed. Praise God. No, the name Joshua is Hebrew, but in Greek, is the same Joshua is Jesus. Yeah, it's the same word, Yehoshua, and it's the word Yeshua. So you read Hebrews for the Bible says, if Jesus had given them rest, then would he not have mentioned of another day? But he's talking about Joshua. If Joshua had given them rest, when you bring Joshua to New Testament, it is Jesus. So Joshua conquered the land for them. Joshua is a type of our Lord Jesus Christ. Our heavenly Joshua, who is Jesus, went on the cross and conquered every land for us. I'm telling you, when he died, he gave us his rich resources. Vast array of divine riches and inheritance. Everything is given us. Now, our heavenly Joshua went to the cross and conquered much for us. He has given us everything. 
He conquered the field of health, of peace, of wealth, of rest, everything. Glory, our well-being, our walk with God, uh, everything. He conquered everything for us on the cross. But we have not possessed it yet. I'm telling you. It has been conquered, but we have not yet possessed it. The same way Joshua took the land, but the tribes were hesitant. They had not yet. So the land was left for squatters to dwell on it, on them. Our heavenly Joshua on the cross conquered all for us. But many believers are working in only 1% or 2%. Yeah. Then you realize that the best of us are working in only 5% of what Jesus conquered for them. Yeah. Yes. Ephesians 1 verse 3. Now, Ephesians is the Joshua of the Old Testament. The book of Joshua of the Old Testament. Joshua speaks of inheritance. So, in the New Testament, Ephesians speaks of inheritance. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with how many? Now, the word all, pass. The word all in Greek actually means every type, every kind, every form, every shape. So you see, blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. He's not saying all the blessings are spiritual, but that is a storehouse of the blessing. It's in the spiritual realm because the spiritual is more real than the physical. The spiritual gives birth to the physical. So all our blessings are there. Every type, every form, every kind, every shape. So I'm, I'm telling you, whether it is marital blessings, is there. You've been blessed with marital blessings. You've been blessed with relational blessings. You've been blessed with spiritual blessings, whether it's a spiritual gift, whether it is anything, all things that pertains to godliness, anything you need to live a successful Christian life, everything is given. Every f- blessing in the realm of finances is given. Every blessing in the realm of the physical is given. Health is given. Every just think of every blessing, every blessing, whether it is domestic, it is material, whether it is health, it is financial, whether it is peace, whether it is marital, it is career. As far as God is concerned, from the foundations of the world, He spoke out all your blessings. The word blessed is actually well spoken. The Greek means to speak well. God spoke your blessings. So as far as God is concerned, in Christ. You have, you have fully finished. Everything has been fully finished and supplied. Praise God. But the only, th- only thing is that you have not possessed them. You have not possessed them. Now, there is a link between holiness and inheritance. There is a link between sanctification. Now, the word sanctification is the same as holiness. Aha. Uh-huh. Is holiness. There's a link between your inheritance and holiness. Praise God. Turn with me to the book of Acts, chapter 20, verse 32, and you see it. Acts 20, verse 32. All right. Keep this verse. I feel like I should tell you something before this verse. Go to Hebrews chapter 6, chapter 6 verse 17. Hebrews 6, verse 17. Wherein God Willing more abundantly, more abundantly, to show to the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, he confirmed it by an oath. 
Say, I'm an heir of promise. Yeah, that means that the Bible says you are the heir of God. The inheritance is yours. So you, you are the heir. You are the heir of God. And the Bible says that God actually wants you to know the vast resources he has kept for you. Now, think of someone whose father left him estate. Their father left him $100 million in, account, in an account for him. The father left him estate, but he doesn't know. So he is struggling and washing plates and cleaning gutters to make a living. Uh-huh. But you see, you have to see where in God willing the more abundantly to show. Let me tell you something. Let me show you God's heart desire. God was willing the more abundantly to show. You see? Hmm. God really wants you to know what he gave you in Christ and your inheritance. That's what the Bible says. Willing the more abundantly. Say more abundantly. God is not just willing for you to know what he gave you. He's willing. Now, look at what, what Bishop said. Is the description, the word is, the Greek word is perisputerion. Now, if you count one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, how many, how, how much can you count? One, two, three, can you count to one million? Can you count to a million? No. But someone can do that. Yeah. Now, when something is countable, the Bible uses the word pleonazo. But when you get to a place where you cannot count, the word is perisio. That's from the word we get the word more abundantly. And, and the word more abundantly actually means, in the Greek means, more than necessary. That's the Greek. It means beyond, over, and above. So beyond, over, and above, more than necessary. That is how God was willing for you to know your inheritance and how he has planned it for you. The word actually means more than necessary. He was willing more than necessary. Wherein God willing the more abundantly to show unto us we are the heirs of promise. He wants us to know what he has put together for us. So tell your neighbor, if God wants you to know, you must know. And, and, and to make it better for us, God had to confirm it by an oath. No, God had to swear. Because you may doubt that the thing is true. So God had to swear by himself. You know, people swear by the greater. Someone says, I swear by the moon. I swear by the stars. Uh-huh. I, I swear. Uh-huh. By what? Father Abraham. Hmm. I thought you You know what I heard? Father Christmas. <laughs> now, so, but, but God couldn't swear by any greater. So God had to swear by himself, by his Godhead. You know why God swore by an oath? For God to swear, you know what he's saying? If these things are not true, if they don't come to pass, I will stop being God. Yeah, I will cease to be God. So he put his life on the line. He swore by his Godhead. He swore by himself. To give you such assurance of heart that this thing is immutable, it's inevitable, it's irrevocable. It cannot be changed. And God wanted to, he was willing to more abundant, abundantly. He wanted to see it. He wanted to see it. And Apostle Paul captured it in prayer. In Ephesians 1, 17 and 18. He prayed for the church of Ephesus 
that the eyes of your understanding will be enlightened. That they may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Aha. Uh-huh. You know what it means? You want us to know <laughs> the unfathomable wealth which he has bequeathed to his saints. Is the same. He wants he want you to know the amount of spiritual wealth he has put into your spiritual bank account. Yeah, but he prayed that the eyes of your understanding will be enlightened. The word is fortizo. You know how to take using you know the, this sensitive film, cam, uh, sensitive films in cameras. Yeah, through the emission of light, it can capture images and impress it on those sensitive films. That's the word fortizo. The word actually enlightened is the word photo. The Greek is photo. Yeah, fortizo. The way you can use camera to capture the image. The image of God's inheritance should be captured in your spirit. <laughs> Through the word. You just know it. Aha. Uh-huh. So you must see it. Once you see it, Christianity is enjoyable. So all the people I know who are working in Revelation today pray this verse. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ken Hagen prayed it daily. Yeah. He said he prayed it more than a thousand times. Then his, Jesus just appeared unto him and said, I've come to an- answer your prayer. Yeah. And that's why he broke forth into Revelation. Bishop Oedipo said he prayed this verse for six months. Then he began to w- work in Revelation. Watch money pray this verse daily. All oh, the people. Church history. Because you can read in the Bible and nothing will happen. Yeah. To understand the Bible, it comes by praying. Praying this kind of... Uh-huh. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We start from verse 17. <laughs> And I have prayed it over and over and over and over. I'm still praying it. And coming to this meeting, I pray this prayer over all of you. All of you. Yeah. Over all of you. Praise God. Yeah. It's very important. Very important. God wants you to see it. If if it's not important, why will he... (laughs) Why will God be willing the more abundantly to show these things to you? He wants you to see it. And why will Apostle Paul pray daily for the future church that they will see their inheritance? It's very necessary. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right. Now, let's go back to Acts 20 verse 32. I, I said there's a link between inheritance and holiness, sanctification. They are mostly, mostly joined together. And our brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance, inheritance among them which are what? Sanctified. So we see inheritance here and we see sanctified. Acts 26 verse 18. Acts 26 verse 18. This was Jesus' commission to Apostle Paul when he sent Apostle Paul to preach the gospel. To open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. So here also we see inheritance and what? Those who are sanctified. Inheritance and sanctification. Okay. My, 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 my. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them that are sanctified. By faith that is in me. Now, 
There is something called the law of first mention. If you want to understand the Bible, any subject you are st- studying, check the Bible when that subject was first mentioned. When that word was, was first mentioned in the Bible. Study how it is used. Because how it is first used is a principle of how to interpret that word. Are you here? Yeah. So the, fir- the very first time holiness is used, or the word sanctify is used, is Genesis 2 verse 3. Look at Genesis 2 verse 3. Who is the guy controlling this? You are very good. (laughs) 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 And God blessed the seventh day. Look at it. And sanctified it. Now sanctify has come. Other versions said and made it holy. Because that in it he had rested. Say rest. rest. Uh, and you need to understand that in the Bible, rest is the same as inheritance. Rest is not separated from, a, from inheritance. Um, for instance, God was taken to the Israelites to their inheritance, to the promised land. What was the promised land? To their rest. You read the book of Psalms, you read the Bible. The Bible calls it rest. Have you seen it before? Yeah, that was their rest. He was ushering them to their rest. That's their inheritance. Uh-huh. He was ushering them to their rest. Uh-huh. And he says, Joshua <laughs> couldn't even give them that rest. The rest speaks of their inheritance. So here we see the word sanctify and rest being used the first time. All right, what does it mean? What, what am I really saying? When we, say some, when we say someone is holy, what does it mean? You know, you can be sinless and not holy. Holiness is not sinless perfection. Now, look, look at this verse. God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it. This is the first time the word holy is used. But there was no sin in the world. Sin came in Genesis 3. But this is Genesis 2. So it is the law of first mention. The first time it is used, it is used without sin. Remember Jesus said in John chapter 10, For their sake I sanctify myself. It had nothing to do with sin because there was no sin in him. That they may also be sanctified. (laughs) Jesus said to the Pharisees, Say ye of him whom the Father has sanctified and separated to the world. Say ye of him whom the Father has sanctified. So the Father sanctified him and he also sanctified himself. But all had nothing to do with sin. Hallelujah. That's John 10, 36, yeah. But look at this verse. So, there are seven days in a week. God sanctified one day. That that was the Sabbath day. He sanctified it. So what it means is that the six days were common common days. But that day, that day, which was a Sabbath day, was not common. It was hallowed. So the opposite to holiness is uncommonness. That which is not common. That which is separated unto God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right. Praise God. Hallelujah. For instance, this chair. Is this chair holy? <laughs> <laughs> but has this chair sunned? No. Uh-huh. Now, in the tabernacle, <laughs> anything that was dedicated to God and sent to the altar for God's, for God's use was holy. 
But ordinarily, there was no sin in it. But once it is for God's use only, it was holy. It was, it was no longer common. It was not for man's use, it was for God's use. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 10. So now there's a link between inheritance and what? Sanctification. I've showed you. Hebrews 10 verse 14. For by one, for by one offering, he has perfected forever them that are sanctified. The word offering here is the same as sacrifice. Verse some versions it says for one, for by one sacrifice. For by one sacrifice is the same as offering. For by one offering or sacrifice, he has perfected forever them that are sanctified. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now, the word sanctified here, um, when you read in English, it's, it's past tense. Is that not so? Is this past tense? Yes. As if it's done. But that's not the Greek. The Greek is in the present progressive tense. So the Greek says, them that are being sanctified. Being sanctified. So some versions will actually say, use the word being sanctified. If you check other versions, it says being sanctified because that is the original. Them that are being sanctified. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay, this version, NIV says, who are being made holy. Who are being made holy. All right. Thank you. Back to King James. All right. Now, I want to explain this verse, what it means. The word sanctified, uh, permit me to go a little further. It's in a certain Greek tense. It is called the middle voice. It is, it is in the middle voice. Now, in the English, we have passive voice and active voice. But the Greek has something called middle voice, which is not in English. Middle voice. Say middle voice. Sanctified is in the middle voice. What it means is that now those who are being sanctified for by one sacrifice he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Now to be sanctified means to be separated unto. To be separated unto. To be separated unto. Now this verse, this is how what this verse implies. Those who are being separated unto the sacrifice. Those who are separating themselves unto the sacrifice. For by one sacrifice he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Being sanctified. So the sanctification he has to do with those who are separating themselves to the sacrifice. Now, what does it mean to separate yourself to the sacrifice? Now, the idea here is the idea here is those who are separating themselves by and by to the provisions that is made by the sacrifice. Those who are separating themselves to the provisions that is made by the sacrifice. The more you separate yourself to the provisions, the more you separate yourself to the sacrifice to the provisions made by the sacrifice, the more you are being sanctified. I'm just repeating myself so you can get it. The more you separate yourself to the provisions made by the sacrifice, the more you are being sanctified. Now, the sanctification here is, is, a, is progressive. It's a, it's a process. Praise God. Now, in context, it has to do with the sacrifice, the offering. Praise God. Now, middle voice, I didn't want to go explain all that middle voice. Middle voice means that you must be, 
You must be the cause. You must take the action and become the beneficiary of the action. <laughs> That's a matter of voice. What it means is that the more you separate yourself to the sacrifice, to the provisions of the sacrifice, the more you are being sanctified. What is the provision of the sacrifice? Your inheritance. What Christ gave you in his finished work. Now, for by one sacrifice, that sacrifice gave us inheritance. Now, I told you that, I gave you verses that shows that inheritance and sanctification go together. Aha. Uh-huh. It's the same idea here. The more you separate yourself by and by to the provisions of that sacrifice, the provisions the sacrifice gave us, the more you, 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 you set yourself apart to the provisions, the finished work of Christ, what the sacrifice gave you, the more God sees you as holy. That is why he combines inheritance and sanctified. Inheritance and sanctified. The first time sanctified is used, rest is used, which speaks of inheritance. Let me give an example. Now, when Jesus died, do you know that he died to take away all your sickness and diseases? Maybe all your life, all you know is paracetamol. All you know is aspirin. All you know is vitamin A, B, C, and D. <laughs> so, I lived with some people I remember for about 15 years. They took medicine every day. Yeah. So, all you know is, and it's okay. But one day, you open the Bible and you read and all of a sudden revelation comes into your heart. That surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him smitten, striking of God and afflicted. But he was, he was wounded for our transgression, bruised for our, our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes we are healed. Matthew 8 verse 16 and 17 himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. <laughs> so all of a sudden it dawns on you that his death was not in vain. Look, Jesus was sketched on a sketching post. According to historians, Eusebius, he was sketched so much that he could see his veins and arteries. It was not even, it wasn't 39. The Roman, they, they never give any account number to the sketching. And he was sketched. In the sketching post, the fulgrim, it was 12 in one. It was leather pieces. One steady handle, but 12 pieces of leather. And the edges are embedded with jagged pieces of glasses, metals, stones, bones, with sharp edges. So as it touches your skin, it enters your flesh and separates your flesh from your skin. Uh-huh. So Jesus was beaten so much that the Bible says that with his stripe, stripes, we, we are what? The Greek doesn't say stripes. The word is molopi, molops. Molops means, let me show you something. That you have been, <laughs> you have been shipped so much that there is not, there is no one, one um, sliver of lash that can be seen. All your back is gone. So that hole is called molops. Uh-huh. If there was shapes, that, that's called molo, mol, molosi, not molops. So Jesus, his whole, the skin was gone. Yeah. Thank you very much. So with his death dealing blow. Now why was he doing this? He was paying for what you are going through. Haven't paid for it. One day, it dawns on you that no, it was not in vain. 
Jesus did not, it was not in vain. He took it. He took it. This pain, he took it. The revelation comes upon you. And you rise up. No, he took it. It's not a joke. As if, sometimes we don't believe it. As if it didn't happen. But that pain, that headache, that ulcer, that cancer, he took it. So when that revelation hits you, you may have known it and even preached it, but it is mental ascent. But when it hit you by revelation, now you separate yourself. And now, though the pain is there, by his stripes I'm healed. You don't listen to the voice of the senses. You listen to the voice of faith and you appropriate the word of God. You say, it is mine. It is mine. It cannot be a lie. You take hold of it. You know what is happening? You have separated yourself to the provisions that was made by his sacrifice. That separation, God, God calls it holiness. Yes. Holiness. He calls it sanctification. It is not common. Sanctification. Because you have laid hold of what Christ died to give you. The Father is well pleased. Do you have children? You have kids in the house and you've given them everything. But they are struggling to get it themselves. What you have given them. They can't see your love. Oh, how you wish they would see. How will you take it if your child is in the house this way? The whole day. I said, my child, what are you doing? Say, I'm thinking about my school fees. It becomes an insult to what? To you. That is not her problem. You must bear those burdens. You see how it's absurd it is? That is what we are doing to the Father God. That's what we are doing. Because all that he gave us, we set it aside and we are doing other things. One of the inheritance is called peace. Maybe all your life you are full of worry, anxiety, depression. Maybe the whole day you've been worrying. You worry so much that you are now a warrior. <laughs> and sometimes you, you are even an alien to peace. But when you are peaceful, you, you, you become worried that you are not worried. Someone told me she was worried that she was not worried. Uh-huh. So every day, worry, every day. You take hold of, of the word of God. Jesus said, peace, I leave you. <laughs> the word leave in the Greek means to be quit as an inheritance. I give you my peace, my peace as your inheritance. You take hold of it. You separate yourself. Now instead of worrying, you are calm. You know, God has taken over. The situation has not changed, but something testifies in your heart that God has taken over. So you are calm. You are gentle. Because you know God is fighting your battles. That separation in peace, he calls it sanctification. Sanctification. Every day, you receive monthly salary. Work, salary, work, salary, work, salary, work, salary. Okay. There's a higher realm. <laughs> There's a higher realm. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. That ye through his poverty might become rich. Might become a plutocrat. <laughs> you know, the word is plusios, plutocrat. <laughs> and plutocrat is the word for filthy, stinking rich. <laughs> now, you, you separate yourself. 
you are accessing kingdom financing. Insight into giving and receiving. You live in that realm. And now what comes to you per month? Even your tithe is more than your monthly salary. No, some of you will get there in one year. Yeah, in one year. So much that now, you are not working even to get money. You are working because that is your contribution to society. Because you are plugged in to a higher law of the kingdom of God. The mysteries of the kingdom. You are swimming in it. And many are wondering your secret. When you do that, you have been separated unto God. You see, the father is well pleased. You know why? Because what his son died for, you are enjoying it. He calls it sanctification. You are being sanctified. And do you know that whenever you receive what his son gave you, you draw closer to God. In experience, we already we are already close with God, but you take advantage of that closeness. We are all have the we have the same grounds of acceptance, but you become more intimate. I'm telling you, you become more intimate. Praise God. You can walk in joy, in peace. You can walk in it. That's your inheritance. Your inheritance. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can you be seated? Praise God. All right. Let's begin our message. Hallelujah. Joshua chapter chapter 1. I started with the types. Joshua 3 verse 10. And Joshua said, and Joshua said, and Joshua said, Hereby ye shall know that the living God is among you, and that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites, now, I want us to read it together, beginning from the Canaanite. Now, he will drive out from before you the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Hivite, the Perizzite, the Gergeshite, the Amorite, and the Jebusite. Hallelujah. Yes. So that's my message today and tomorrow. Wow. Yeah. So the thing is this. These were the nations they had to drive out in the promised land. God can you imagine had given them the promised land? God said it is for the, it is for them. It is yours. It is yours. <laughs> you know, God's dealings are amazing. Do you know when God gave them this land? You know when he gave them this land? Do you know that the earth was not divided into continents in the beginning? The earth was one mass piece of land. Yeah. It, it was in Genesis 10 that the earth was separated into continent, continents and islands and rivers. It's in Genesis 10. Yeah. That is when, after the scene of Nimrod, God separated the earth. So in the days of Peleg, he was called Peleg, the earth was divided. The continents were divided. But something happened when the continents were divided. Deuteronomy 32 verse 7. Let me show you something amazing. So this is uh, the song of Moses. Israel actually sang the song. Remember the days of old and consider the years of many generations. Ask thy father and he will show thee. Thy elders and they will tell thee. 
when the Most High divided the nations, their inheritance, when he separated the sons of Adam, he set, he set the bounds of the people according to the number of the angels. So, see, in the Hebrew, it's not the children of Israel. It's the number of the angels. You, you can check some of the versions. Some of the versions said, according to, okay. This one says, under the care of the divine guidance. Some versions actually said angels. All right. What it means is this. So in Genesis 10, God divided the nations. And when he divided the nations, you know what happened? He assigned an angel to every nation. I'm telling you, there's an angel for every nation. So the nations he divided, he assigned angels to every nation. There are angels representing nations before God. Yeah. But when he came to Israel, God didn't assign an angel to Israel. He said, he himself is a guardian of Israel. The next verse. The, the next verse. You brought a certain version previously. It, it's very nice. Can you take me back for this verse? Okay. When God divided up the world among the nations, he gave each of them a sp- supervising angel. You see? <laughs> you see? I believe what I was saying was true. All right. The next verse. The next verse. No, the same version for this verse. No, verse 9. But he appointed none for Israel. For Israel was God's own personal possession. (laughs) Yeah. So what happened was that he assigned angels for every nation. But when he came to Israel, he says he himself. But later on, he realized that it was Archangel Michael who had the overseership of Israel because God's name was in him. What, is, <laughs> what God does personally is what he uses Archangel Michael for, but that's for another day. <laughs> no wonder you are called Pastor Michael. <laughs> Praise God. Now, in Habakkuk chapter 3, let's start from verse 8. Habakkuk. All right, verse 9. Let's go to verse 9 because of time. Thy bow was quite naked according to thy oath, according to the oath of the tribes, even thy word, that thou didst cleave the earth with rivers. Now, when God was even separating the earth with, with rivers, huh, God had an oath. The oath of the tribes, that means, you know, the, the 12 tribes, God knew which the territory every tribe was to occupy. Uh-huh. And he gave his oath to Abraham. He had already prearranged this from the foundations of the world. His word to give Israel their inheritance, he called it the oath of the tribes. It was God's oath that he would give Israel their inheritance. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That means God had sworn. But look at what happened. Now let's go back to Joshua 3, verse 10. But amazingly, God had given them the land, but these seven nations had gone to occupy the land God wanted to to, to give his people. So, for them to possess their possession, they had to conquer these enemies. Praise God. 
beginning from the Canaanites and ending with the Jebusite. So in the promised land from the Canaanite to the Jebusite, God said, the land is yours. I've given them to you. But the enemies were on it. Yet they had to be driven out. And that's what they did. And I told you that whatever happened to them was for examples, types. We have the reality. So I'm going to show you what each of these means and how they apply to us. Because we must overcome these seven enemies to access our inheritance. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. To access our inheritance. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now, tonight I will do only one, Canaanite. Then we'll continue tomorrow. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> yeah. Because the first enemy to drive out is the Canaanite. The Canaanite. <laughs> and the reason some of you cannot access your inheritance is because of the Canaanite in your life. <laughs> yeah. Now, they, they were the first. And, and amazing. Huh. You remember Noah when uh, the flood ceased? When his sons, three sons, Ham, Shem and Japheth, when Ham exposed the nakedness of his father, and uh, Noah woke up out of his stupor, drunken state, and began to curse and prophesy. Now let's see what he said. Genesis chapter 9. All right. Verse 25. Okay. Now, so... Verse 24 said, And Noah woke from his wine and knew what his younger son had done unto him. And he said, Curse be Canaan, a servant of servants shall he be. Now the one who exposed him was, was called what? Ham. Is that not so? But you see, Ham had four children. Ham had four children. The first one was called Cush. Cush. Now Cush is Ethiopia. Ham's firstborn is Cush, Ethiopia. The second one was called Mizraim. Mizraim is Egypt. The third one was called Put. P-U-T. Put. Now this is in the Bible. Put is Libya. The fourth son is Canaan. That's it. So, the fourth son is Canaan. <laughs> now, Canaan is not enough. It's not Africa. You understand? Present-day Canaan is at the West Bank, the West Bank, Jordan, Lebanon, Syria. They are the Canaanites, the present day. <laughs> but you know what Noah did? Noah, woke up, Noah didn't even say, curse be unto Ham. No, Noah cursed Ham's fourth son. It was Canaan he cursed. He said, what? Curse be what? Canaan. It's Canaan he cursed. Yeah, he was prophesying. Yeah, he was prophesying. Uh huh. That is why you don't speak against leadership. Especially when the leader falls and fails, you don't speak against him. Because he had failed. He had failed. Uh -huh. So Ham thought he was just touching human failure, but he ended up touching God's government. 
there are some people on earth who are deputizing God's government. In their failure, if you address it, it's for your demotion. So when you hear a man of God has done this, let your tongue cleave to the roof of your mouth. Shut up. Don't talk about it. Praise God. Walk backward and cover the nakedness of that man. Don't expose them. Yeah? They are covering sons and exposing sons. Which one do you belong to? <laughs> now, do you know why? Why did Ham do something and he, he didn't say, curse be unto Cush, curse be unto Mizraim, curse be unto Put, but he said, curse be unto Canaan. Yeah. It's prophetic. You know why? Number one, prophetically, Noah foreknew that the Canaanites were going to actually be, become stubborn to Israel from accessing their inheritance. He foreknew it. Why? Because God had destroyed the world because of the giant. The giant. Because the angels, when they took the woman, they produced the Nephilim or the Gigantes, strange beings. But the Bible says they came again after the flood. And primarily, they were the Canaanites. So, Noah foresaw them and put a curse upon them. <laughs> In advance. <laughs> In advance. It's amazing. It's part of God's wisdom. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Oh, Maroma Shatalama Telekatele. Praise God. Hallelujah. All right. Now, what is Canaan? What is, what is the meaning of Canaan? Now, Canaan in Hebrew actually means butter trade, butter system. Butter. You know butter system? Yeah, butter trade. You know Ghana, we're first dealing with butter system. Aha. Uh-huh. Yeah. For instance, Maybe, you know, you know, Bishop is using a very nice pen. Uh-huh. Maybe I have a powerful hanky. And I say, okay. Okay, I need, okay. so he get a hanky. I get this one. It's butter. You, you understand? <laughs> okay. uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, Bishop, the way your shirt is nice, you can get my shoe. And I get your shirt. <laughs> that is butter. Uh-huh. When there was no money, people were doing butter. Butter trade, butter system. Now that's the word for Canaan. Canaan. You know what it means? <laughs> okay. I want a blessing from God. I want God to do something for me. But let me do this for God so that I can, I can receive and merit what God, the blessing from God. Yeah. I want God to give me a husband. Okay. The husband is not coming. Let me start some evangelism so that God, God will see. <laughs> My faithfulness and give me a husband. <laughs> That's butter system. Butter trade. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I want God to give me a house. I want God to give me a house. 
Okay, so what, what do I have to do? What, what, what can you do? <laughs> yes, you come and carry blocks to build a church of God. <laughs> so it, it's butter. Okay, so hey, I want God to do this for me. Okay, all right. Then let me just do this to get him to, to have it done for me. Okay, I won't go. And the thing you do are very honorable things, actually. <laughs> honorable things. Okay, I, I, won't, I won't go to increase, uh, change my job for me. So for the next six months, I'm going to be very holy. Yeah, holiness is good, but it's better. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. You are trying to do something good to earn and to merit God's blessing. That's the Canaanite principle. Now, that's the first thing you have to overcome. Hmm. Now, it's very subtle. Very subtle. Very subtle. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Ask your neighbor, what are you trading? For God to bless you. Huh. Ask your neighbor, what is your motive? <laughs> huh. and, and the thing is that it can even be fasting. It, it can even be long prayers. Yet you have to pray. Yet you have to fast. By the end, you understand where I'm coming from. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah. 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 This thing is, is ingrained in, in, the, in, the, in the fallen man. You know, before I, 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 I used to be in Anglican church, and I was a mass ever from age 4 to age 12. <laughs> yeah. Did catechism. Did. Before I fully committed my life to Christ, where am I won a dancing competition. It was surprising. <laughs> surprising. Because my goal was to be like Michael Jackson, actually. Can you imagine that? I, I wanted to beat Michael Jackson. After two weeks is when the Lord arrested me. But I wanted to fast for 40 days to win the dancing competition. I want to show that these things are in the natural human. Yeah, I wanted to. I feel like if, if I'm able to, able to hit 21 days or 40 days, God can make me win. Yeah. And when I became a believer, I, 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 I wasn't speaking in tongues. I did everything. I prayed for people they spoke in tongues. I wasn't getting it. So I fasted for 40 days to get it. Yeah. 40, SS1, 40 days. I didn't receive it. After, after that, I went for 60 days. I didn't receive it. All was what? Butter, 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 butter. I was trying to earn it. I'm telling you. <laughs> Wholesale. <laughs> Wholesale. <laughs> Praise God. 
right. Galatians chapter 5, verse 11. Galatians 5, verse 11. <laughs> and I, brethren, if I yet preach circumcision, why do I suffer persecution? Then is the offense of the cross seized. What is the offense of the cross? Say the offense of the cross. Now, Apostle Paul said, if I yet preach circumcision, then why am I suffering persecution? Some guys were telling people that Paul is preaching circumcision. Now, you know circumcision? Verse 3. Let me show you verse 3. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised, that he is a debtor to do the whole law. Circumcision ushers, ushers you in to do the whole law of Moses. Okay, the whole law. Now, circumcision is entrance into Judaism. Just as baptism is entrance into Christianity. Now, when you are baptized, you are saying that outwardly, you are declaring to the world that you are a believer. You are testifying what has happened within when you receive Jesus. So, circumcision is the baptism of the New Testament. Praise God. Yeah. Colossians 2, 11 and 12. Quickly. Colossians 2, 11 and 12. In whom also ye are circumcised with circumcision made with our hands, in putting off the body of the sons of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. What, colon, what is it? Buried with him in baptism. Okay. Now, in the Old Testament, circumcision is what ushers you to keep the whole law. So, circumcision is the embodiment of the law. Praise God. Okay, back to Galatians. I want to show you something. Galatians 5.11 And I, brethren, if I yet preach the law, circumcision, why do I yet suffer persecution? Then is the offense of the cross seized. What is the offense of the cross? What is the offense of the cross? The, the year 2003, I was in my hostel room. So, Lord, show me the offense of the cross. What is the offense of the cross? I've not forgotten. What is the offense of the cross, Lord? <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, Galatians chapter 4. Galatians 4. Now I say that the heir, as long as he's a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be lord of all. The next verse. But he's under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the father. Even so, we, when we were children, we were in bondage under the elements of the world. Praise God. Please go back. The elements. Say the elements of the world. When Paul uses the word world in Galatians, he's speaking about the religious world. <laughs> the context of the word world is the religious world. Praise God. He's talking about the world of religion. The world of religion. We're under the elements of the world. Now, the word element here is the Greek word stoichion. S-T-O-I-C-H-E-I-O-N. S-T-O-I-C-H-E-I-O-N. is the word stoichion. Now, stoichion is the whole system of merit. Merit. Now, let me show you what stoichion is. The word element. Now, stoichion is what is called do good, get good. Do bad, get bad. It is called butter. Butter. Now, among the Jews, do you know that do good, get good, do bad, get bad is part of the human... All the religions of this world propagate that. You said karma. That's the next thing I was come to say. The Eastern religions propagate karma. Karma is do good, get good. Do bad, get bad. Uh Even Confucianism. All the religions 
actually, actually propagate. Do good, get good, do bad. I'm telling you something. If you meet an unbeliever in the street, okay, and ask the unbeliever, what do you think will qualify you to go to heaven? You know what they will say? I'm telling you, they will talk about, oh, I don't think evil about my friends. <laughs> what they will talk, tell you is some of the good works they've, they've, they've done. And they will try to weigh the good with the bad. And they will mark themselves higher with the good than the bad. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. It's ingrained in, in, ingrained in man. Uh-huh. So the element of the world is talking about the religious world. The stoic ion, it's the element system of merit that operates in the religious world. All the religions of this world, whether Hinduism, Buddhism, Islamism, is after Islam, I, I, they said there are two angels. One is recording your good, one is recording your evil. So do good, get good, do bad, get bad. That is primarily what the law of Moses is. That's a law. And that law is with every man. <laughs> man, man, man. Romans 7 verse 1. Romans 7 verse 1. Know ye not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law. How that the law hath dominion over a man as long as he liveth. You see, here you see the law, but in the Greek there is no definite article. So the Greek says law. I speak to them that, that know law. So he wasn't speaking about the law of Moses, about universal law, because the law is in the conscience of every man. Then in the next verse, he began to talk about the law of Moses. Praise God. Because Paul says that in Ephesians 2, 14 and 15, even with the Gentiles, the law was written in our conscience. The law. Do good, get good. Do bad, get bad. Hallelujah. All right. But let me tell you something. Once upon a time, there came a good man from heaven. He wasn't just a good man, but he was the God man. Aha. Uh-huh. And this God man, who, was, who is a good man? <laughs> you know what happened to him? Stoichion says, if you do good, you deserve good. If you do bad, you deserve bad. But this God man did good on earth, but he got bad on the cross. On the cross, he got what he never deserved. He got what he never deserved. He had never sinned. He was sinless. He was holy. But on the cross, he received what he never deserved. Your judgment. Your curse. The penalty of your sins. The all. The damnation. The, the judgment. The wrath of God. It came over him. And he exhausted it. So, he did not receive what he deserved. He was a good man, but he received the bad. He changed, he, he changed the system of stoichion. He changed it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. For what reason? For what reason? Now, he's a good man, and he never deserved. He received what he did not deserve. So that you, being bad, can receive all the good you don't deserve. So that Jesus, who is holy and righteous, was made sin. So that you, a sinner, can be made righteous. So that now, what is happening is that the good receive the bad. Now the bad cannot receive the good. So where is the stoic ion? Where is the element of the world? It's gone. So now, <laughs> now you, the sinner, can be made righteous without you not having done any righteous deed. 
Even as David describeth the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputed righteousness without works. In Romans 4 verse 6. So now, God says you are righteous, but you have not even lived righteous one day. God says you are righteous, not by your behavior. God says you are righteous, not by your holiness. God says you are righteous, not by anything you have done. But by having believed in Jesus. Why? Because he took your place that you might take his place. He, the righteous man, took your place of sin by God's holy transaction so that you in the place of sin might take his place of righteousness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This thing I have described to you is an offense to some people. Paul calls it the offense of the cross. It's an offense to some people. An offense to who? The self-righteous Pharisee. The self-righteous people. It's an offense to them. So they see you a sinner. But now, you say you are righteous. No. He is trying to live well. He is trying to earn and merit a certain righteous stature. And you, we know your, where you came from. You are a very bad girl. <laughs> but now, you have, now, you are as righteous as Christ. Because no, it's an offense. They can't accept it. That you are receiving God's blessings without you not earning it. No, you are believing and receiving. He is earning and deserving. So, you know, it's like someone, you know, an employee. You work the whole month and he gives you your salary. And someone comes, oh, you don't work and gives you this, this, a better amount. Uh-huh. It can become an offense to those who are working for it. Uh-huh. So those who are working for their righteousness and working to be accepted and those who are trying to live well to please God. I'm not saying don't please God, though, but they are, they are trying to live well to, to be accepted by God. There's nothing God hates than trying to say your acceptance is by your living. But your acceptance is by Jesus. That's why Apostle Paul said, I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness come by the law, Christ died in vain. If righteousness came by my behavior, if righteousness came by me living well, then Christ died needlessly. Why? Why would he have died? If I cannot achieve it myself, it is useless he came. He has wasted his death. Uh-huh. The reason why he came was because I couldn't attain God's righteousness by my behavior or my, my living. It can only be received as a gift. <laughs> Praise God. So it's an offense. So if you say, I'm the righteousness of God, it's an offense to some people. Uh-huh. Because maybe they saw you do some mistake. So look at say, how can it be the righteousness of God? It's an offense. We are witnesses. Uh-huh. It's an offense to them. Why? Because they are viewing it by works. Let me give an example. The prodigal son, he and his brother. You see, let me show you the offense of the cross. His brother had gone to waste his, his father's resources, done all the foolish things <laughs> with harlots, prostitution. When he came back home, no, 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 no. You know what the father did? The father ran to him. 
No, the father saw him. He didn't see the father. The father saw him because the father had always been scanning the horizon to see the return of his son. And, and among the Jewish laws, if you're above 30, you don't run publicly. If you're above 30, you don't run in public. Yeah. Because of their flowing gown. So he broke all the laws and ran publicly. Yeah. The story of the prodigal son is in Deuteronomy 18. Yeah, if your son does that, you bring him before the elders and they take stones and the elders stone him to death. He's there. So what the guy deserved was stoning. But the father rather ran to him and fell on his neck and kissed him and kissed him and the Bible says he embraced him. Hmm. He embraced him. When Peter was preaching in the house of Cornelius, the Holy Ghost fell upon them. The same Greek word the Holy Ghost fell upon them is the same word for the father embracing the prodigal son. The Holy Ghost embraced them. And the father, the father gave him, can you imagine, the best robe, Christ our righteousness, gave him, because he was walking barefooted. In those days, only sons wore shoes. Yeah. And there were two types of shoes, the sandalos and the hippodema. There was the ordinary sandals, but there was a, the one for the royals, that is what he gave him to wear. Then he gave him the ring. It's not, it wasn't this ring. The ring was like a visa card. It was a seal. So those wealthy families, if you go to a restaurant, you don't use money. They'll bring you a clay slab and you stamp it. Uh-huh. So you can buy, buy any dress, buy any food, travel. You only need to just, pa. it was a seal. How can a father give all, like, your ATM card? The guy who had wasted your resources. You give him back your ATM card. What are you talking about? Uh-huh. So the other brother came and he was offended. He wouldn't even go inside. Why was he offended? Because he has been working to, for a kid. So the one who is trying to end, he was offended for the one who freely received. That was offense of the cross. But you see, when he received all, the father said, bring the fatted calf. Bring it here. And they killed the fatted calf calf in the presence of the prodigal son. You know why? All the judgment that was to come upon him came upon the fatted calf. Christ, our burnt offering. Yeah. So all the evil we deserve, Christ bore it for us. That's why we enjoy the benefits today. Hallelujah. Uh-huh. So, I want you to know, you see, all right. Then there's the offense of the cross seized. The offense. So people are offended. Hmm. And, uh, uh, what happens is that even in the church, those who are trying to use their long service in church, their faithful service in church, they want God to bless them because of that. You know what will happen? They'll see the young people being blessed and they are left behind and they will become offended. Because you, you, you see, don't even if you are even if you are living very holy, don't use it as a butter for God to bless you. He already blessed you in Christ. Live holy for his glory, but don't think that should be the reason why God should bless you. That one is a butter. You have supplanted what he has already done. It's already done in Christ. You are his righteousness. You've taken the place of the blessing already. But don't try to earn it by doing something good for it. That one you'll miss it. All right, let me finish this one and come back. Then is the offense of the crosses. Now, now look at the word offense. Now the word offense is the Greek word skandalon. Skandalon. 
Then is the scandalon of the cross seized. Actually, the word in English, when the word scandalon is transliterated, is the word scandal. So then is the scandal of the cross seized. <laughs> it is called the scandal of grace. The scandal of the say the scandal of the cross. <laughs> Paul says, Look, if I'm preaching the law, then the scandal of the cross is seized. Do you know what it means? The reason why Paul was persecuted is because he is a preacher of the scandal of grace. <laughs> then is the scandal of the cross, the scandalon. What is a scandal? You know, a scandal is something that is judicially and morally not accepted. And the whole populace becomes so angry at what is done. It provokes the outrage of the public. For instance, when we say that, oh, this, this minister of state has embezzled or has stolen a certain kind of money from the nation. It's a scandal, true or false? Uh-huh. Or somebody has gone to sleep with someone's wife. It's a scandal. Is that not so? Uh-huh. Or all this corruption we are seeing when they are caught, it's called what? Scandal. So we frown at it. The public has an outrage. It's officially and morally not acceptable. That's a scandal. Now Paul calls something the scandal of the cross. The scandal of the cross. You know what it means? God takes a man. God takes an ungodly person. The Bible says, now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned by grace, but by debt. Debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifies the ungodly. Now God takes the ungodly and declares him righteous as his son. And God says, you... Now, now God forgives him past, present, and future. Now, do you know that your forgiveness is past, present, and future? Your forgiveness is perfect tense in the Bible. First John 2.12, perfect tense is using, it speaks of permanent results. Once and for all. And you have been purified. Perfect tense, permanent result. Once and for all. Hebrews 10, <laughs> verse 2. And God says, hmm, can you imagine? Now, these things I'm saying are, are wild though. Aha, uh-huh. and the Bible says that <laughs> even as David described the blessednesses of the man unto whom God put righteousness in his account without he having done anything, saying, Blessed is he whose sins are forgiven, blessed is he whose iniquities are covered, blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputed not iniquity. Verse 8. That means when he sins, God doesn't put it into, into her account against her. And God doesn't see her sons. God sees her in Christ. Now, uh, I, 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 are you hearing what I'm talking about? It's a, it's a scandal. Serious scandal. Serious scandal. The Bible calls it the scandal of the cross. It, it cannot be accepted more publicly. It cannot be accepted judicially. It cannot be accepted. People will frown at it. And Paul said, the reason why he is suffering persecution is because of the scandal of the cross. If I preach the law, do good, get good. Why should I be persecuted? Then the scandal of the cross has ceased. So the statement implies that his persecution was because he was preaching the scandal of grace. Why? (laughs) I'm telling you. Why? You know what people are refusing to see? They are refusing to see what has been paid. What cost Jesus? And I'm telling you, when you know this, you live the highest type of life. This is where the highest kind of holiness comes from. Not the one you pretend. Uh 
On this foundation, your prayer is pure. Your fasting is pure. Your living is pure. I'm telling you, you are free. Free. You serve God because of your love for him. Not because you want to get something from him. Not because it is butter. Butter system. That's a Canaanite. That's a Canaanite. Why do you want to pay for what Christ paid? <laughs> it, it costs his life. You want to use fasting. <laughs> now, I, I'm not saying don't fast. I'm a lover of fasting. But why are you fasting? <laughs> why? Aha. Uh-huh. And, and people give up. Well, people give up because for a long time they've been serving the church and God has not done this, this for them. They are offended. Why, why have I been? Why? Older brother. Why am I doing all of this and God has not done this for me? Never do that. It, it's butter. It, it's the Canaanite. The first thing you must overcome when you enter, want to enter into your inheritance. Stop any butter trade. Any kind of trafficking. <laughs> the Canaanite must go. Let's go. Let's go. Hallelujah. Thank you very much. I want to stop and continue tomorrow. Because I've not finished Canaan. You know, I will not spend my much time with the rest like Canaan. Because Canaan is very strong in the heart of men. Uh, that's why I want to pull out every kind of Canaan. <laughs> now, the promised land is, is not heaven. People think when you're going to the, Can- the promised land, it's not heaven. There are no enemies in heaven. <laughs> Those seven nations were enemies. They had to fight against them. There is no fighting in heaven. <laughs> and there are no enemies in heaven. It speaks of our inheritance here <laughs> on earth. <laughs> on earth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hmm, my Lord Sunday. Okay, let, let me try and finish in 10 minutes, if possible. Okay. All right. Galatians. Okay, Galatians 3, verse 5. 3 verse 5. He therefore that ministers to you the spirit and worketh miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? When you see the works of the law, he's not just talking about the Ten Commandments. The law is a principle. The principle of the law is this, that do you receive, now, do you receive the spirit and miracles by earning and deserving it or by believing and receiving? Let me simplify it for you. Do you receive God's blessing by earning, meriting, and deserving it, or by believing and receiving? That's what he's saying. Uh-huh. So you can earn it by a lot of things. When you try to do it, you've come under the law. Actually, you've come under a curse. Although you are serving God. But through the butter, you're already under a curse. Because you want to pay for what Jesus paid for. Any, any good thing you can ever enjoy, Jesus paid for it. You being his righteousness. The Bible says the blessing is on the head of the righteous. Righteousness is what qualifies you for all of it. Now, he that ministered, oh my, the word is epicorigio. Now, this word, I've explained it before in love economy. 
The word epicorigio means supplying all the needs of the chorus by the choragus. In, in Greek times, there was something called a chorus, the performing arts, the drama, the singers. It was called chorus. But the choragus is a sponsor. So when you become a member of the chorus, whatever you need, he supplies for you. For instance, if we all need white shirt, he will give you the white shirt. If you need a guitar to, to play your parts in the, co- co- in the chorus, he will give you the guitar. If you don't have money for transportation, he will give you the money. He will give you the costume. So the one who supplies all the needs of the members of the, of the, of the chorus is called a choragus. He supplies it. And that's the word here. So the word minister here actually speaks of God supplying all your needs by the Holy Spirit. Because you may need, what you need is different from this one. You may need a husband. You may need a cash. You may need finances. <laughs> you need a, a car. You know? A car. So different. <laughs> a car. Man of God is yours. <laughs> yeah. So, he that ministered to you the Spirit. <laughs> but the word also is a word for Epicorigio is where we get the word choreography. Wow. Uh-huh, it's a word for choreography. How, what, how do you do it? Series of movements and actions. Is that not so? Actually, the Holy Ghost supplies you movement and actions. One of the blessings of the Spirit is that you, you can be so blessed by the Holy Ghost so much that you go to the right place at the right time. Wow, yes. And you say the right words at the right time. Sometimes you want to say something, but the Spirit ministers to you and you say the right thing. What you wanted to say, you don't say it, and you end up saying the right thing. That is a choreography of the Spirit. He's supplying you movements and series of actions. Hallelujah. Yeah. And work at miracles. Now, the Greek tense says that he that is constantly, that's a Greek, he that is constantly ministering, he that is constantly supplying your needs and supplying you actions and constantly working miracles among you. How does he do it? Does he do it by Earning and deserving it, or by the hearing of faith. That's why, if you want to be blessed, get Bishop Steves and, and listen and meditate and start speaking the word of God. The next verse, verse 6. Even as Abraham, now he's given us an example of someone who received a blessing, someone whom God blessed. I mean, he received his needs supplied because he's talking about. Constant miracles and having your needs met. Example of that person is Abraham. That's why he says, even us. The Greek says, just us. So Abraham is just an example of what he spoke about. Just us. Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Can you imagine? So this whole thing has to do with righteousness. I thought he would say, just as Abraham believed God and he received miracles and the ministration of the Spirit. But he used righteousness. Why? In righteousness is all the blessings in the previous verse. Uh-huh. So he believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Why? Because <laughs> all the blessings are in righteousness. The gift of righteousness. Proverbs 10 verse 6. What does it say? Blessings are on the head of the just. The word just is the word for righteous. So if you are God's righteousness, the blessings on your head. Uh-huh. You have received the gift of the clearance, the, the clearance of all guilt. The clearance of all guilt. The gift of the clearance of all guilt. All your guilt have been cleared. God is not holding any guilt against you. He's not doing that. Hallelujah. Abraham. All right, let's take our last verse. Let's go to Romans chapter 4, verse 13. Romans 4, verse 13. For the promise that he should be the heir of the world, 
or the promise that he should inherit the world was taught to Abraham and to his seed through the law. Have you seen it? But through the righteousness of faith. <laughs> it's everywhere. Everything, the law. It's not by you. It's not. You know why Jesus has done it already? Christianity is all about looking not it's Jesus. <laughs> it's nothing of you. It's all of him. <laughs> I'm telling you. <laughs> it's all of him. Yeah. So, for the promise that he should inherit the world. Why? Do you know what it means? Was taught to Abraham and to receive through the law but through the righteousness of faith. My. You know, the moment God declared Abraham as righteous in Genesis 15 verse 6, instantly he entered into a covenant with him. Pastor Michael, come and let me. I always demonstrate it. So you read Genesis 15, God entered into a covenant with Abraham. Uh-huh, God, in that covenant, one party stands here, another party stands here. And there are animals that are slain on our left and on, and on, on our right. And in those covenants, the parties of the covenant had to just walk through the pieces of the covenant. What it means is that what is yours is now mine, what is mine is now yours. Yeah, that's it. But Abraham was there waiting for God to come and he was even sleeping because he had waited that God wasn't coming. And he even slept. Then all of a sudden, there was a smoking furnace and there was a, a burning lamp that stood in their places and passed through the pieces. The smoking furnace was a father, but the burning lamp was Jesus. It was to Abraham and his seed. His seed is as of one, which is Christ. So Jesus took his place in the covenant and passed through the pieces on his behalf. Hallelujah. So that right now, everything that belongs to God is for Abraham through Christ. And everything that belongs to Abraham is for God. That is the covenant of righteousness. So now, you know how much Abraham is blessed? So when Melchizedek met Abraham, he said, Blessed be Abraham of the Most High God, possessor of the heavens and the earth. Theologians that don't really know whether the possessor of the heaven and the earth is Abraham or God. It's for both of them. Everything is now for Abraham. That's why even, even paradise is called Abraham's bosom. Yeah, 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 yeah. And what is for Abraham is for you. Now, because you are his seed. Let me show you something. I said it's the last verse, but let me show you something. Luke 13, verse 6. Luke 13, verse 6. Luke 13, verse 16. 16. Now, Jesus met a woman who was bowed down. The woman couldn't walk, hunchback. And look at what Jesus said. Or not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan had bound, lo, these 18 years be loosed from his bond. Or not, is it not her right? The reason why she's not supposed to be bowed down in sickness is because she's a daughter of Abraham. It's her right not to be sick because it's part of the covenant of righteousness. It's her right. So when I'm not feeling well, it's your right as a seed of Abraham not to be sick. But you see, this inheritance is not through the law, through the righteousness of faith. If, if you say that, oh, the way I'm sick, hey, I'm going, to, I'm going to read the Bible very well so that God will see my faithfulness and read the Bible. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So you are doing something right, yet the blessing is not coming. You just misappropriated it. Uh-huh. <laughs> Look at Luke 19, verse 9. When Jesus went to the house of Zacchaeus, and Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation. Come to this house, for as much as he also is a son of Abraham. This day is soterion. This day is soterion. Come to his house. You know, salvation there here is soterion. 
the first meaning of soterion is deliverance. This day is deliverance, healing, health, provision, wholeness, well-being, abundance. They are all in the word soterion. That's a Greek. This day, soterion has come to this house. Why? For as much as he also is a son of Abraham. So if you are a son of Abraham, soteria is your right. Why? He said, for as much as everyone who believed. Now, why did Jesus call Zacchaeus the son of Abraham? Because he believed. Now, if you believe, he says you are the son of Abraham. If you believe, he says you are the daughter of Abraham. Because all those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. It's through believing. Uh-huh. So, why should soteria, deliverance and prosperity come to your house? Because you are son of Abraham. Hallelujah. Now, say, say this. Say, I'm blessed because of Jesus. Because Jesus is my righteousness. Do you know what it will do? It delivers you from many things I can't talk about. Now, you are here, maybe. You think that God has blessed you because of what you have done. Do you know what you start thinking? You start feeling you're better than others. And others who are not blessed like you, you start thinking they are not as hardworking as you are. There's a tendency for you to despise them and measure them by your works. I'm telling you. So now your whole life is, has become merit. So you are living very holy. You think God, God is blessing you because of how you are living. Then others are not being blessed as you, to you. You think, oh, you are, you are not living as better as you are. Because that's a better trade. You, you, you understand? Because you are thinking in your mind, God is blessing you because of how well you are living. So others are not blessed like you because to you, then you begin to despise them. They are not living as right as you are doing. You've also fallen away. You've also fallen away. Uh-huh. I know what I'm talking about. You begin to think that, oh, these guys, oh, <laughs> you know, they, they are not praying as I'm doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They are not even fasting as I'm doing. You can take your eyes from Jesus to think that it is by, by what you are doing. It becomes you, you, you. You, 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 you. It can breed unhealthy competition. It can breed jealousy. You know where envy and jealousy will come? Especially when you have done a lot and you're not seeing results. And those who have done less are getting it. You say, why? Why me? All oh, this is because you have missed it. Look. Butter trade. Canaan. Everything is Jesus. So if I'm blessed because of Jesus, Bishop is blessed because it's Jesus. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So if I look at him, it's Jesus. I'm not even looking at him. It's Jesus. Uh-huh. Why should I envy him? It's Jesus. Uh-huh. You look at me. It's Jesus. We, we are not pointing to anything we are doing. Or, or meriting. It's, and we can celebrate each other. And love each other. I, I'm telling you. <laughs> Avoid butter trade. It, it leads to a lot of unhealthy living. Yeah? Unhealthy living. You need to compare yourselves and so on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Tomorrow we go to Hittite. Hallelujah. <laughs> the Lord bless you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Wow. God bless you for listening. We pray that the word of God will be rooted and grounded in your heart as you give attention to the word. 
Kindly follow Pastor T and Love Economy Church on all social networks for more of God's Word. Don't forget to subscribe to the Pastor T Podcast. Simply search for Pastor T on any podcast app, plug in, and enjoy God's Word. Visit our website at loveeconomychurch.org for more information. God bless you.